Hello, and welcome to High and Tight on Game Time CT. I'm Scott Erickson. We are joined, as always, by Pete Blaga. Pete, how you doing, buddy? Good, good, good. Good to be back. How's everything going with you? Great. Uh, yeah, for those that uh, people were actually asking, where's the podcast? They were. He got married. His new wife also got a doctorate or uh, <laughs> a PhD or whatever she got. Uh, so Pete's had a busy couple weeks, so we had to take a break from the podcast for one week, but we are back full force yes, we and we're going to roll from now until the end of the season. The next month in like four days, like <laughs> just straight going a hundred miles an hour to the finish line to Palmer field. Uh, weather's beautiful out. It's baseball season. Uh, we're out of that April kind of when it's weirdly cold some days. It now we're just like we're going. Yeah. yeah. Now it feels like it. All the teams are in the second half of the season. They're all hitting their stride or falling apart, whatever, whichever way they're going. <laughs> but I, I love this stretch here. It's fast. It's chaotic. But, man, it's great. Yeah, it really is. And um, it's my favorite time of the year. I, I mean, get to wear shorts, you know, some cool, cool guy short sleeve button downs that I like. Um, go out to the game, enjoy the weather. You know, this ain't no nine to five job pushing pencils, you know, put the sweatshirts away. Oh yeah. Oh, absolutely. I still got my winter jacket in the back seat, but I think I'm done. I think I'm always, done. no, no, no. You got to <laughs> leave it in there just in case you never yeah, know. I still have the hat and gloves in the car too. Just so. in case. Just I was wearing case. them last week. So <laughs> <laughs> anything could happen, but, uh, yeah. And so it was an interesting week. I was watching from afar. Yeah. Uh, we we obviously pushed out our our midseason report stuff last week, um, and we're kind of hitting this point of the season. Contenders, pretenders. Uh, we're going to talk, you know, who we like, who's kind of been a surprise. But there was one thing that popped out this week, this weekend while I was away. I was scrolling through Twitter and I saw a tweet from our friend from the day of New London, Mike Demaro, and it's a quote from Staples coach Jack McFarland, friend of the program. They beat Waterford this weekend 10 to 1. And Coach McFarland said, Waterford is a baseball town. We love coming here. We want to play the Blue Bloods. I think of Waterford, Amity, Southington, and us as Blue Bloods. One, love that quote. Um and and it kind of it piqued an interest in me. Um, because those four <clears throat> programs are baseball programs through and through with all the state titles, all the success. You know, you know, those four programs are going to be there every year competing for state titles. And that raised a question to me, which I said uh, to Scott before the show, are there other blue bloods in this state? I like his list of four, but I don't know. I think there might be more than those four. Scott, are there any any programs that are blue bloods? And, and why do you think so? Yeah, I mean, and you know, what separate the difference between those four schools Waterford, Southington, Amity, and Staples is Staples actually does carry a pretty good lacrosse program. The other ones don't really have that. So they're not pulling the kids. But if you look historically, now right now, yeah, I would say those four, they're always in contention for state titles. Um, and then it's like, what do you want to talk about? Are we just talking that they win state championships or that they're super competitive every year? Because like Cheshire's a baseball town, like um, Portland is a good baseball town. Now they're class S, they're small, right? But Always good, always competitive. Cromwell's a baseball town. Do I put them with the Blue Bloods? I don't know. But I would say those towns belong at least in the conversation. And then if you look historically, you got to talk about Norwalk, Stanford, like two great baseball cities. They've had not as great of a time, although Norwalk won the state championship three years ago. So first, their first state title. Their first one. But um, I like Jack's list of the Blue Bloods and uh, – yeah, who else would you have in there? I and my 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 Berkshire League is showing, but you know, schools like Chapag Valley and Washington Depot. I mean, there's so much history there. Uh, Housatonic, who who actually had a forfeit a game this year for not having a lot enough players to play. Like, there's a lot of history with that program in Region One. You know, uh, Steve Blass played there. Um, you know, famous Steve Blass who pitched in the World Series and is known for a lot of other things. Um, a great play-by-play or color announcer for the Pirates. Um, you know, my guy uh, Willie Yon played there. 
Uh, he went to UConn and, and played in the minors. You know, there's a lot of great history in the Berkshire League, but another one is the NVL. Yeah. Well, Walk Walkett, a great baseball town. Uh, but, you know, you go back, uh, you know, Naugatuck, they had uh, even Derby for a long time was a good baseball. Um, you know, the NVL just is really good baseball just overall. Um, but I, I, I just, I like that list of four so much. And, and not that there's not one that doesn't pop out because, you know, you look at the Fairfield schools, right? You know, when they were Fairfield, they were unbelievable. Um, Jack played on the teams that at, at Fairfield High School. Um, and uh, I think Ward, if we continue on this road of, of very success, of, of a lot of success on the field and the schools stay apart, um, I think Ward could be in that conversation down the road. Um, but it is really cool. It, it was just something that piqued my interest. And I was like, I want to talk about this. And I think it's great that Jack goes out and plays Waterford and Waterford comes down and plays Staples. And those are awesome Saturday yes. afternoon. Well, when we saw Waterford, when they won the state title in was that 2019 uh, with Burrow, uh, Jared Burrow on the mound, um, you know, we looked at their we looked at their schedule uh, that Mike, year. Is it a Mikey? No, no, it was Jared. It was his cousin. Oh, Jared. Oh, right, right, Jared right. Sorry, was his sorry, cousin. sorry. And um, and we looked at their schedule, and it was just a non, you know, great non-conference opponents uh, early in the year. And I think they had like five losses and like four were out of conference opponents. And then they got to the state title, and they rolled. Yeah. Um. So it's just nice to see. You know, Art does a great job up at Waterford. They could have, you know, been in the state title in twenty twenty one. Um, they just were on the wrong side of the bracket in class M. Yep. Um, got East Catholic in the semifinal opposed to the final, but I thought that was the best game of class M. They're always, always, always so good. And, you know, Mike Burroughs obviously is a player that came out of there. That was awesome. Um, as well. And, and Mike was about to, about to make that jump onto the pirates major league roster, but he got shut down. I think he's getting Tommy John now. So that's things. but yeah, he was on the cusp of, of he was in the futures game last year. Yeah. And he was about to get called up. He was doing really well. I'd added him to my dynasty fantasy team. <laughs> <laughs> I always got to try to get some Connecticut guys on there. You know? <laughs> so, uh, right. but then, uh, yeah, it, it didn't happen. Uh, but yeah, listen, we're at the halfway point of this season. Um, and I know that we were talking earlier about who's emerging as the favorites, who's surprising us. So you want to go through like each class and like say a favorite, a dark horse, and maybe a surprise team for us. Yeah, absolutely. What do you um, think in double L? Let's start in double L with you. I'm going to go my favorite in double L right now. And uh, I'm going to go with one of the blue bloods. I'm going with staples. I mean, yeah. we, we saw them against West Hill. They, Face Kyle Kipp, they made five errors and they lost. But, you know, Zay Jack's making his way back. He pitched that game. He pitched against Waterford. He pitched really well. You have Hero Wide, who might be the best player in the state. And you start going down the list of their pitchers, and you're like, they have like six guys that can get meaningful outs in games. And historically speaking, you know, uh, the coaching staff at Staples does a really good job with their pitchers, and they don't overwork them. They, you know, you know, there was, I was at 2019, I think Chad Knight threw like 20 innings in the regular season. And then he ended up finishing like seven and oh, <laughs> you know, yeah, with and, and, and Zajac's kind of in that boat. Cause he was coming off basketball season. Yep. He's been slow to start. He was capped at 40, 50 pitches when we saw him against West Hill. But by the time they get to the playoffs, he's going to be right. fully yeah. rolling. Yeah. They got, they got six guys that can get outs. The, the only question I have for Staples is can they hit? consistently down the stretch hero why it's going to hit home runs i think they hit three home runs against waterford i was looking at some highlights um can they hit to win games in the postseason you know that 2019 team came up with timely hit after timely hit um but i i still need to see more out of the the wreckers lineup but they're my favorite right now in double l who's your surprise team in double l surprise team um I'm going to say Maloney. Um, Maloney's 10 and three. I know they went to the finals last year. Uh, they were in L last year and they went to the finals. It was kind of a surprise. They have some good wins this year. They beat Southington in the opener. Berlin's a good program. Like we talked about. Um, 
They did lose to Bristol Central pretty convincingly and Lewis Mills pretty convincingly, which was not ideal. But you don't know who was pitching that day. Yeah, I don't know what happened. But the reason I have Maloney as kind of a surprise is, you know, they made a really interesting run last year, lost some guys, brought some guys back. But it's really hard to capture lightning in a bottle two years in a row. And uh, right now they're doing it in the regular season. Tyler Duffy is really good. He's the one who pitched in the semifinals uh, to beat Notre Dame at Dunkin' Donuts uh, to get to the finals. Um, Tyler Duffy is really good, and he's not going to blow you away, you know, with his velo or anything. He's just a pitcher. He's just a grinder. He throws strikes. He eats innings. Um, he's going to be key. So they're kind of my surprise in double L because I thought they were a flash in the pan last year. You got a dark horse, like a team that's kind of in the middle of the pack you think could make a run there? Uh, you know, you look, you, you see a lot of FCAC teams, right? You got West Hill, New Canaan, Ludlow, Ridgefield, and Norwalk all kind of clumped together in the middle. Even Darianne's kind of sitting there at seven and eight. Um, I don't, I, I feel like I, they're not really a dark horse, but I'm going to say Hamden. And the reason I'm going to say Hamden is because they have not had success in the postseason. Um, you know, Chris Borelli. And he was a coach there. He had so many good players that are playing at the next level. And they had great regular seasons. Win a couple of games in the SCCs. You're like, oh, they're getting hot, you know, headed into the state tournament. And then they run into a good team. They have one bad inning and they're home. Um, I think this could be the Hamden team. They're not hitting, they're not relying a lot on the home run, right? We talked to Coach Dyer about uh, Dwyer about that a couple of weeks ago. Um, they're pitching well. I think this is a Hamden team that can maybe get to the state quarterfinals, maybe even with a shot to go to the semis. Um, so I guess they're my dark horse just because they haven't had that postseason success recently. I agree with you on Staples and Maloney. Those are my two picks too, for the favorite and, and, and for the surprise team, my dark horse is Glastonbury. I think Glastonbury is capable of being anybody. They were in the state quarterfinals last year with the tie-in runs on base against Ward at Ward. Uh, one hit, and that game's tied, and maybe Ward doesn't win the state championship. Um, West Hills played Glastonbury the last two times, and West Hill coach Mike Ravellis loves Glastonbury, says they're blue-collar. They they keep the hard hat in the dugout with them. Like I really like Glastonbury. I think if, if someone's going to come out of the middle of the pack, it, it could be them there. And um, there's, there's one other team I do want to mention in double L before we move on, and, and we're having their coach on the show today. That's okay. Trumbull. Yeah. I, they're 11 and four. They were number two in the poll last week. We're recording this before the poll comes out. I never know what to expect from them. They could go eight and 12, and they'll be in the state semifinals. They'll go 18 and two, and they'll lose in the second round. So I, I, I Trumbull's here. I, I don't know which kind of Trumbull team this is yet. Yeah. Again, another great baseball town and just, you know, we'll talk to Phil, but he does a great job. The, that program is consistent. They're consistently in the FCAC playoffs, and they're consistently in the mix in Double L. Like you said, whether they're you know eight and twelve or eighteen and two, they're always in the mix and always dangerous. Yeah. All right, let's move to L. I'm going to go first. So you don't steal mine. <laughs> uh, uh, I think the favorite in Class L is Notre Dame West Haven. Um, you know, there's a few other teams you could look at, but Notre Dame West Haven come out of the SEC is really, really strong. They got good pitching with Hunkel. They got a catcher who's, you know, one of the best in the state and an incredible leader in Molesky. Like, I really like Notre Dame West Haven. Uh, obviously, I had voted them number one. I uh, probably won't this week because they lost a couple of games. But that's life in the SEC. You're not you're not going to win all those games when you're playing Amity and Xavier and everybody every week. Uh, my surprise team shouldn't be a surprise. It's Bristol Central. You know, they're undefeated. I understand that they have not played all of the top teams in the CCC, but they're the only undefeated team left in the state. So all deserves that, deserves a hat tip. Deserves a hat tip. It's not easy. Um, so they're the number one seed right now in Class L, and we'll see what happens. Um, my dark horse, I, I think we might have the same one here. It's going to be Hand. You know, they're down. Like, you have to go down the rankings to look for them. But again, if you look at their schedule, they're playing close games night in and night out. They're beating good teams or losing to the good teams by one or two. And they're going to be so battle-tested coming into the tournament. So they're my dark horse. What, what do you got in L? Uh, favorite in L, I agree. I think it's Notre Dame-West Haven. Um, this is a team that – and I just talked about Maloney going to the L finals. Notre Dame should have went to the L finals last year. There was a really weird call in that game that I thought should have been interference. 
Uh, the throw went away. Maloney scored their only two runs of the game and won two to one. Um, I thought Notre Dame was the better team, and I think that they Notre Dame given... feels the same way. Yeah, I think that <laughs> Notre Dame would have given Windsor a much better run for their money in the finals, um, and it would have been a great matchup. Um, but I digress. I think Notre Dame's playing with an edge. Notre Dame kind of like a Trumbull program where they'll go seven and thirteen, and they're playing in the state semifinals in your life. Yep. Because they're they're going to be battle tested and they're winning games this year, so they're kind of my favorite there. Uh, surprise team for me is Guilford. Now, look, they're an SEC team. They're not playing the juggernauts of the SEC. They do have Notre Dame on their schedule. Uh, they have Hand, Cheshire, but they're not. You know, they they they're not playing the Xavier's, the Amities, uh, that kind of stuff. They're playing kind of the smaller schools in the SEC. But Nick Marullo is doing such a great job, and I just wanted to give him a shout out. Uh, every game we get a box score, which you become one of my favorite people if you do that week in and week out. And uh, every time I look, I'm like, oh, did they win today? And I look up box score, Guilford won again. You know, they're 13 and three. Nick was a great high school athlete in this state at Daniel Hand, uh, played, you know, minor league ball. Uh, he's, I don't want to, you know, age him or anything, but he's a young guy. He's a young guy. And, and he's, Took his, you know, lumps in the first couple of seasons. He was there, and now he's got, you know, the Grizzlies. They're thirteen and three. Like, they're good, right. you know, school on the water. You know, the shoreline of the SEC, and this is a fun program. And when they were good a couple of years ago, when Brian Hayden was there, and I in was it twenty eighteen, like they were a really fun team to cover. They had some really good games against Hand that year. You know, you're kind of looking down. They got four more games left, and this is a. You know, they might go 16 and four. They might go 17 and three this year. So I think they're definitely a surprise for sure. And a dark horse for me, you mentioned hand. I'm going to throw, um, I'm going to throw North Haven in that mix. You know, North Haven coach Romanelli in his first year. um, You know, they're, they're sitting there at 500. It's North Haven. Let's see if let's, uh, uh, let's, let's see if they still have some of that magic left. All right. Who do you got now? Who's your favorite? Uh, favorite in M is this is tough, uh, but I'm going to go Woodland. Um, when Michael Belcher's on the mound for Woodland, I think they're the best team in class M. Uh, he beat St. Joe's, who was kind of my other team that I was going to pick. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, Woodland lost in the semifinals two years ago, lost in the championship last year. It's like the path to a champion. Right. They have had their ups and downs. Coach Coach Boehner does a good job. Uh, but I like Woodland as my favorite. My surprise team is Joel Barlow. Um, uh, they're the defending M champs, but you know, it's high school. The kids graduate and generational players come and go, like Matt Scott did. And uh he's not walking through that door, but here they are, they're 10 and 5. They beat some good opponents. Um, I really like them as well, the Nielsen brothers. And my dark horse, they're my dark horse every year in Class M, and that's Sheehan. I mean, they are there every single year. I think they've been to the semifinals or the quarterfinals, at least in every one of Coach Lombardozzi's seasons since he took over for Coach Altier. Um, They're just always there. And I expect, you know, they lost to Barlow in the semifinals last year. Like, I expect them to be playing in the semifinals again this year in Class M. Yeah. Um, all right, mine are uh, I'm gonna go St. Joe's. Woodland is great, and when Belters on the mound, they are the best team in that class. Uh, but over the long haul of a tournament, I do like St. Joe's a little bit more. Uh, my surprise team in M is Rocky Hill. Uh, Rocky Hill 13 and one sort of got written off the beginning because their schedule in the beginning was not great, but bad. it's a bad schedule. Fine, you come back, you beat <laughs> Newington, you beat Windsor. They just lost their first game, uh, you know, up at Double Day Field in Cooperstown to Newington. They're thirteen and one. I would say they're my surprise team. Um, and with the dark horse, I'm going to go with Law because Law has two really good pitchers. And you go into a state tournament with two really good pitchers, you can definitely, definitely make a run there. I do like Waterford too, but I'm going to go with Law as the dark horse in yeah. uh, in Class M. And then let's finish up in Class S. I'm going to go first. Uh, <laughs> my favorite in class S is HK, Adam Killingworth, um, playing really strong baseball out of the shoreline. I know St. Paul is there. I know Coventry's there. I know Immaculate's there. Uh, but I really like HK. 
Um, they just have everything going for them right now. And don't sleep on the shoreline, especially when you get to the state tournament. Those teams are really, really good. And it's really good baseball. Uh, my surprise team is St. Bernard um, or St. Bernard, however you want to say it. Bernard. Uh, Bernard. Okay. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, 13 and one, you know, they're not playing the top tier teams in the ECC, but they've beaten all the teams in front of them. So they have a really good chance here to be the number one seed. And if teams have to drive all the way out there, that's an advantage for them. Uh, you know, you, you got to get on a bus and, and drive all the way out to that school. That's a trip. Um, so, and then my last team is uh, the Dark Horse. I don't know if they're a Dark Horse or not, but uh, Valley. Again, Shoreline team played really strong this season. Uh, I think Valley could definitely make a run in this tournament, and they would be my Dark Horse. They started out slow and have been on fire uh, since then. I think they've won like seven of their last eight or something like that. So wow. I really like Valley Regional. <laughs> All right, Scott, you love the shoreline just as much as I do. I love HK as the favorites as well. Uh, the only thing with HK, they need to get over that hump. They have started out well a lot of years that I've done high school baseball in this state, and they always fall short. Coach Brooks has been coaching forever. He's one of the best guys. He's got a ton of career wins, um, but they need to get over the hump. Let's go, HK. Surprises. And this is not uh, so many people are going to get mad at me for this surprise, but it's St. Paul. It's St. Paul. Daniels is gone. Tanetti's gone. Ceruto's gone. The big first baseman who hit the cover off the ball is gone. All their guys were gone. Except Devin Coolis is still there. Um, Jamie Leggett is still there. But here they are at 12 and 2. They're not running through the NVL like they did the last couple of years. They're not. They're, you know, they're not like, oh, I guarantee that they're going to be there in the finals. But here they are sitting at 12 and two in the top half of Class S. I like St. Paul, I think. And again, they're a Catholic school playing in Class S, so they do have the upper hand. I have a couple of dark horses. Scott, you're going to love this. Obviously, I have Old Saybrook. I think Connor Lane is one of the best players in the state when you have yes. him. Defending Shoreline champions, they have a shot. And then I have a bunch of other dark horses but I have no idea whether these teams are going to be able to qualify for the state tournament or not. You have East Catholic, Northwest Catholic, and Notre Dame Fairfield sitting at the bottom of Class S. I am not going to count how many teams are on this list, but if any of those teams get into the state tournament, watch out. It's a Catholic school in Class S. They're always, always, always dangerous, and those are three programs that have been to finals or have won state championships in the last, like, five years. Yeah, and they all have some work to do if they want to make the state tournament, yeah. so... Um, yeah, and then like you said, the, the when you have a class S tournament with Catholic schools, uh, that's where you're gonna have you know Immaculate's gonna you know probably make some noise in that tournament too, uh, playing out of the SWC. So it's interesting, class S is very interesting, and I, I like it. You know, we were the same on some of these and different on some of these, so obviously, no. we're looking at it differently, and we'll see if any of those teams actually ever you know win state championships, you know. But yeah, I we're going to learn a lot. The 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 uh, the conference tournaments are going to shake things up for sure. Yeah, that's right. We got the conference tournaments first. Um, but we got what two, three weeks left in the regular season here. Everyone's past the halfway point. Uh, you can go on game time CT and check out our midseason report. Um, but first, before we go do anything else, we're going to talk to Trumbull head coach Phil Paselli coming up here. Uh, I'm really excited for this. We've been trying to get Phil on for a while, and I'm glad he's finally finally joining the show. Yeah, and we have a great draft, so stay for the draft. We are joined now on High and Tight by Trumbull coach Phil Paselli. Coach, welcome to the show. Thanks, guys, for having me. Great to see you. Yeah, we've been trying to get you on for a few years, and obviously schedules and everything doesn't always work out. And uh, you're in the school right now, it looks like. So, That's right. <laughs> Th thank you for taking the time to do that. It's on my prep period, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> I know how valuable that time is. But uh, we were talking before you came on. You're a Trumbull guy through and through. Uh, you played for Coach McDougal. You took over for Coach McDougal. What does it mean to you to put that uniform on every day and, and walk out and get the coach on that field? Uh it means everything, you know, it's a, uh, it's a baseball rich town um, starting, you know, Trumbull and Little League World Series in 1989. And we've had some great teams over the years and it's just an overall successful program from youth all the way up. 
Were you on that team? Was, that, that little league no, team? No, oh. no, I was not. I was uh, one year too old, okay. and I lived on the other side of town. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, friend, you know, friendly with uh, you know the Kenny Martins, the Chris Drury's of the world. So yeah. those are great, uh, great guys. Well, well, tell Chris Drury to take it easy on my Islanders. Ever since he's <laughs> taken over, they they're kicking our butt. So yeah, actually, uh, I was invited to Chris Drury's Stanley Cup party. Oh, that's oh I love it. Look Hold on. That. Did you did you touch it? I oh yeah, I hoisted it. No, you gotta earn it. it. You have to earn it, coach. Nah, nah. He's never gonna I couldn't pass up the not. opportunity. <laughs> I couldn't pass up the opportunity. I covered one of the first things I ever covered was uh, a former Westminster player won uh, the Stanley Cup with Chicago in twenty thirteen. I just started to do like as uh, the paper in Torrington. And I went to cover it and I was there early and they were like, oh, like, do you want a picture with it? And I was like, no, I'm OK. They're like, yeah, like you want to like hold it? And I turned to the guy and said, no, I have to earn it. And I forgot who the player was, but he turned around, he looked at me, he goes, that's the right answer. Uh, I couldn't have that really. <laughs> I would have been like, I can't even skate. I'm touching the trophy. <laughs> Uh, but coach, I mean that legacy there, and what what did Coach McDougal mean to you, and and what was that transition like when you took over for him? Yeah, it was tough. You know, taking over for a legend was not easy. Um, I had a great support system and Bob Maffei as my assistant, Buddy Bray, who's still with me today. Um, so they kind of like looked out for me, protected me, and you know, it wasn't easy taking over for Coach. But he he was like a larger than life figure who everybody the world of um we miss him miss him dearly but you know he was like a second father and buddy's still in the dugout with you i mean that, yes he is I, I always say he's the best assistant coach there is i mean he does a lot tell us what buddy does for you there in the, in the dugout in day to day you know he well he uh <laughs> he he is great you know like you said he he does a lot of the uh behind the scenes stuff that that I can't really do sometimes. And, you know, cause he's, I'm actually teaching at middle school. He's, at, he's at the high school. Okay. So if, for example, if we're, we're, if we have a uh, kid that needs another uniform or if I need some more baseballs, <laughs> you know, he can take care of that stuff for me, but you know, buddy's great. I also have a great, another, another assistant, Tim Tavardzik, who runs a pitching staff and does a great job also. So I'm lucky to have those two guys. Uh, you've had some really good players over the last few years. I talked to you about this when I was up there a couple of weeks ago, but the transition that you guys have made at catcher going from Kevin Brueggemann to Scott Gell, what, what does that cover? Like eight years, seven years? I mean, six years. So, yeah. So it's, it's, it's been, incredible. it's been just truly a pleasure. You know, Kevin, Kevin Brueggemann's now crushing it at a uh, Hofstra. Yep. So he was a three-year starter for us. He was an all-state catcher. And then we, when he left, I was like, oh boy, what are we going to do now? And then Scott Gell falls into our lap. So, you know, Scott's been a three-year starter for us and he should be an all-state catcher, in my opinion. That doesn't happen. Something's wrong. <laughs> but, you know, just nothing gets by the kid. It's amazing. Yeah, this, this trouble program, I have come to learn, it doesn't matter. I mean, it matters what you do in the regular season, right? You have to get your eight wins. Uh, but after that, whether you guys are a top seed or a middle of the road seed, or even a double digit seed, you get to the playoffs and it's just wins. You know, you haven't been able to crack that threshold uh, to get to a final and to win a final, but you were in the semifinals last year. Uh, you've been to the quarterfinals a lot. Like it's either you lose in the first round or you get to the quarters in the semis. Uh, you know, what is, is that just a level of expectation of this program now or, is that something that you build for during the year where it's like, this is a 20 game, like kind of preseason. Let's get our eight wins, but let's get ourselves in position to win come the end of May. Yeah. We have two goals every year, two dog piles, one at Cubetta, one at Palmer. That's uh, you know, that's, that's why we're here every day. That's why we're working and practicing. Uh, those are our two goals every year. Obviously some years it's more realistic than others, but that's why we're uh, that's why we suit up every day. So if you guys get in those dog piles this year, are you going to be jumping over the top or are you going to be at the bottom? I'll probably let's just watch the kids do it. I'll, I'll be still inside <laughs> with, smart, uh, smart with my coaches. <laughs> oh, no, you got to get in there. I, when, I, when I played, I always had a coach, 
um, growing up was my buddy's dad. And he was like, you do everything as a team. And he used to make us run all the time. One of the kids on our team was kind of a smart mouth. And he goes, coach, I thought you're a part of the team, right? And he goes, yeah. And he goes, well, then you should be running with us. Coach looked and goes, all right, three more laps. But I'm just saying, <laughs> I'm just saying, coach, you got to get in there, man. <laughs> all right, maybe I will. I'll think about it. It has to happen first, obviously. <laughs> of course, of course. It has to be a Palmer. Then you have the offseason to recover from what. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> um, you've talked about that consistency and being a baseball town. Are, are you just getting kids in every year where you're having good kids that fit the program? I mean, obviously you're not going out and grabbing kids like other schools. No. So, you know, coming into this year, we had four guys with, you know, varsity experience. Scott Gell, Sean Francoeur, who are, who's our ace, another all-state caliber player, in my opinion. Jack Durland, who was a starting infielder, and Ryan Warner, who's the starting outfielder. After that, we had a lot of holes to fill, and they've been filled nicely to this point. Um, you know, if you look at our non-league schedule, people were calling me crazy. You know, we had Prep, Notre Dame, West Haven, Amity, Shelton, Massac. I mean, that's those are some you know respectable programs right there, and we won all five of those games. If you'd have told me. I would have signed for three out of the five, to be honest with you. <laughs> but we won all five somehow, and uh, and I like doing it that way because those games prepare us for the FCX schedule. Um, we played Amity last year up there, and they walked off on us, and Sal asked me if we wanted to play them again, which I thought was a big compliment. So, you know, we, we played them again this year. And you play prep every year, right? You and Rudy have a nice relationship, right? Yeah, I grew up with Rudy, um, playing ball together in Trumbull. So, yeah, we... We started scrimmaging, and then we uh, added the game to the schedule. You guys play, like, Little League together? Yeah. Babe Ruth, uh, yep. Oh, that's so cool. <laughs> I, I learned I learned something about uh, Trumbull Little League this past summer. It was my first summer l- living in town, so our editor asked me to cover uh, the Little League championships, like the, the Little League World Series year, whatever it was called. And I went down there, and I saw on the coaching as an assistant coach was Mike Scott. The Darian yes. coach. So, like, you know, how's that relationship? Are you calling him being like, hey, man, like, limit the pitches. I need these kids in a couple of years. Or is Mike out there being like, let me get this kid 100 pitches because I don't want I don't want Phil to have him in three years. <laughs> well, actually, Mike and my assistant coach, Tim Tavardzik, they coach together in the fall. So there's a connection there as well. But Mike's a great guy. Oh, Mike's the best. It's just so, so funny. I'm like, you know, you look a lot different in gold and – black than you do in powder blue mike right <laughs> you guys have done a good job i don't know if it's you guys but keeping kids in town i know kids go play for all, all the club teams and stuff but the trumbull legions actually stayed okay trumbull babe ruth stayed okay is that just the kids i mean or are you guys trying to do that um you know we can't tell kids where to play but it's nice to see them be together all summer you know playing uh meaningful games you know uh Rather than, you know, maybe just a showcase tournament here or there that's maybe scoreboard's not on. Right. But it's nice to have them, comp- you know, compete in, a, you know, for a state title. It means something. Uh, you mentioned Sean Francoeur before. Uh, he's been pitching awesome. Were you expecting that coming into this season, that, that he was going to be your, your guy? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, he, he's been lights out for us. His ERA is under one. You know, he's a uh, lefty. He mixes it up well. Tough against any lineup that, that goes against him. He he was right there with uh, Hero Wyatt last Wednesday. Yep. You know, ma- matching him pretty much. He You know, we gave up a couple of uh, an unearned run early, and, uh, you know, he was matching Hero Wyatt there for a while. We lost that game 4 nothing, but it was closer than that, closer than that, than that score. And then you've been getting good pitching from the rest of your staff, too. I mean, are you guys going right. deep, deep on that staff? Um, yeah, so Nolan DeMello – um, he's emerged as our number two. He pitched JV last year because yep. we had guys like Connor Johnson, Matt Cummings, you know, in the starting roles there. Um, and then AJ Albaldejo has been pitching well. And then, you know, we have a couple couple solid relievers also. And how much does Scott help those guys, Gal? Oh, yeah. I mean, he's, you know, he he's the man back there. He, uh, you know, he controls the staff. And like I said, his blocking skills are just seconds and none. Like nothing gets by the kid. Yeah, you and you, de- you've been to you our field, our backstop. backstop yeah, backstop. <laughs> yeah, it's so valuable. Can't tell tell you how valuable he has been. 
I have to say, I, I really appreciate your field though, because it's a real field. Like some of these fields you go to with like the little league cage, I hate that for high school baseball. Yeah. Like, do you well, feel the same way? Absolutely. Yeah, it, it should be like a real depth depth I, back there. I, 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 when we were there for the Amity game, I went over to the softball game to start because I think they were starting like 15 minutes earlier. So I was like, oh, let me get some photos of the softball game. They were playing Danbury. I'll come back down. And then there was a lacrosse game going on. Like it was like a JV lacrosse game on the other field. You can't walk three feet without being risk of getting hit with a ball. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, a, <laughs> yeah. Like I, I can take, and, uh, I turned my head to go the other way. I could take a softball line drive up the first baseline off the back of the head in front of me. I could take a lacrosse shot, missing the net, drilling me or a home run to left center would hit me right on the head. I got, I, got, I, got to talk to Mike, I got to talk to Mike King about that. Not not, not a big fan of all of that going on at the same time. <laughs> it's a great campus, though. Oh, it's, it's beautiful. beautiful. Yeah, beautiful it's, sports campus. I love to see my tax dollars at work. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, coaches, looking, you guys got five games left. We're doing this interview on Monday. You have St. Joe's, New Canaan, McMahon, and then you end with the last two double L champions in Fairfield Ward and Norwalk, and then presumably – presumably, whatever, uh, the FCAC tor- tournament. What What's the um, what's the message to the team now? Like, hey, we're 11-4. and four. We're getting ranked in the game time CT poll uh, that every coach hates until June. Uh, but the players look at it. They see it. Um, you know, how, what's the message to them to keep the head on right? Because there are bigger goals ahead. Right. So we, we had this conversation yesterday, actually, at practice. You know, it's time to show some urgency. We have four league losses, and we can't really have any more hiccups here. Otherwise, we might be on the outside looking in. So starting today with St. Joe's, you know, there's no guarantees. That's a tough game today. You know, they have a deep lineup, good pitching, well coached. That's a tough game for us today. Um, And the same goes for New Canaan. New Canaan always gives us fits. So we don't have any any days off here as far as the uh, schedule. Does that St. Joe's game draw a good crowd for you guys? Generally, yes. Usually, get a nice crowd. So, kids. I happy. love when Trumbull has a good crowd. Every once in a while, they're just it's just packed up there. Right? You never know, but right. Sometimes, one year the bleachers fell down. I think too. That's true. That did happen. <laughs> <laughs> um, they were going crazy. <laughs> but hopefully, you know, weather turning now. Weather oh, yeah. turning in our favor now. Hopefully, oh, we'll so nice out. So yeah. I'm not gonna lie. I really appreciated the rain. The last couple of weeks, I know coaches didn't, but um, my yard, I have a big lot of grass. It was all burned last summer. Sucked. Yeah. I Green like riding my right tractor. Now. Yeah, it's beautiful. Got on yeah. my tractor yesterday, you know, zipped around a little bit. It was nice. But was we'll coach. save all the rain for June, <laughs> for after June. After you, June. After June. Well, <laughs> all of us, our, our coaches, we have to kind of strategically plan when we cut the grass. Because uh, our, our nights are late, and uh, and if it rains on the weekend, you got to pick a night to get get that done. You guys you cut it. your own grass. <laughs> I if do. You need yes. a guy. If you need a guy, I can. <laughs> uh, I can. I can come mow the field. No, no, not our field. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, because so you can't do it too early. You got the neighbors. I feel you. You're playing Danbury. You want it real short so they can't bunt on you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One of those teams used to put like Harden uh, in front of the plate so that the, the bunts and the chops would hit real hard. Like, <laughs> I love groundskeeping manipulation stuff. <laughs> oh, there is one thing though. I, I don't know who does the scoreboard for the baseball games. Uh, I'm sure he's a very nice per person, but he only updates them after the innings over. And if you're not doing a book, it gets super confusing. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, all right. So we're going to do our draft now. Uh, Coach, we uh, emailed you and Scott about it yesterday. You emailed me right back saying, I get the first pick, right? Uh, <laughs> yes, you do. Because um, this is an, it's a draft, but it's also a limited draft. We're doing a draft of the top positions in baseball. There are only nine positions in baseball. There are nine picks in this draft, which means – that we are going to be kind of limited in what we can select uh, one through nine. 
on the field. So only one pitcher, you know, you can't go relief and starter pitcher, catcher, first, second, third, short, the three outfield spots, left, center, and right. So we were kind of limited here. I thought it'd be really fun because I was looking for something with only nine things. I listened to a podcast once, uh, five people, five picks. They did uh, the draft of the best letters and one letter got left off. And I was like, this is so fun. So we're totally going to do this now. Uh, Coach, you're going to get the first pick. Scott, you have the second pick. I get third and fourth. Scott has fifth. Coach has sixth and seventh. Scott has eight. And I have the final pick. Uh, Snake draft. So, Coach, whenever you're ready, first overall pick in the top baseball positions draft. All right. So every January, I go to the Mohegan Sun Baseball Coaches Convention. Jim Penders from UConn is always up there presenting each year. He always says the point of home plate is pointing at the most important person on the field. So I will take catcher. Yeah, that was our pick too. <laughs> that was that was my pick. There's no question that's the best. <laughs> no question. Oh, uh, I thought I thought that might fall to me. I thought it might fall. To it me. wasn't getting past me. Pizza, <laughs> pizza. <laughs> Um, I got to go pitcher next. Uh, I mean, you, you, you got the ball in your hand. You're in control of everything. Like, if you're off, then a, a lot of things are off. So I'm going to go pitcher with the number two pick. Ooh, this leaves me with back-to-back picks of the two swaggiest positions in all of baseball. And I'm so happy to have both of them. As a former catcher, and I love catching, there is nothing I wanted to do more than to be a shortstop. They are the coolest people on the field. Like the catcher is, is grinder, dirt dog, um, you know, bruised up, dirty, but the shortstop looks cool. You get to wear the sunglasses, you know, you're making backhand plays. You look swaggy as heck doing it. So I'm going with the shortstop with my first pick. And then on the back, I'm going to take the best. I think arguably your best fielder on your team is your center fielder. I mean, the range that you have to cover in center field is just incredible. And you know what? They also look really cool doing it. Yeah, diving catchers are cool. There's nothing better than running like halfway to the outfield, standing under a ball and being like, yeah, I just got that. So I'm going to go to center field for my second pick. Scott, <clears throat> on to you. Ooh, this is a tough one. This is a tough one. I'm going to go second base because – Second base, you got to make your routine plays. If, if you make an error at second base, it's it really upsets everything. And then you got to make some really, really hard plays where you're ranging into holes, you're turning and starting double plays, you're making the turn at second base. I'm going to go with the second baseman as my next pick. Coach, you got back-to-back. All right, I'm going to go with the uh, infielder that touches the ball the most, first base. Handles the ball a lot. Um Saves errors from uh, the other guys with some scoops at first base. So I'm going to take first base. And my my childhood here was Don Mattingly. Good one. <clears throat> oh, you got one more, coach. You got one more. You got the back. Oh. You got the you got yeah. the turnaround on the snake. Um, I made a list here, but I think I might <laughs> make a switch. I'm going to go right field. Ooh, I, I was going to take, uh, take right. <laughs> I was a former. When I played in college, I, I was right field, so I'm, I'm going to stick with right field. You know, strong arm, making the, you know, cutting the ball off in the gap, th- throwing a dart to second. Honestly. Got to make the long throw, long throw to third. There's nothing cooler than a right fielder throwing out a guy at first base. That's, and, yeah, that can happen too. <laughs> right fielders also have to deal with one of the hardest plays, which is when a right-handed batter kind of hits one down that line and it's looping away from you. And you're running towards the line, and the ball just keeps going the other yeah. direction. People don't understand how hard that play is, right? Especially at Trumbull High when it's windy. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> True. No, right field, I feel like right field always gets a bad rap, like starting in Little League. And then, like, when you get to high school, it's like, no, you want to play right field. In college, you want to play right field. I mean, uh, the guy on the A's yes, uh, the other day threw that one from the corner of the outfield to third. <laughs> yeah. 
Some of the best throws ever have come from right field to third base. I mean, that that's a really hard throw. Yeah, you see, like, over the years, like, Roberto Clemente or Ichiro, you can Glad. see those highlight films of yeah. just being I, an absolute cannon. As someone who, who I play right field now on my softball team, I love it when we have the first base dugout, too. So it's only like a three-step walk-in until I get to sit down. That's very important, Pete. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I can be one of the first guys in there to high five everybody. Very, very good. Uh, all right, my, I'm going to go with uh, third base then. Third ah. base is open. Um, you got. That's what certain. I was going to do, but yeah, right. I like right field. I was going to take right field. So third base, uh, you got to you know be like a cat over there. Just you got to be able to just field shots, uh, and, man, and then again, make it, yeah, the hot corner. You got you got to be able to. It's like the ball gets on top of the, that kid on more than anyone. Uh, then you got to be able to charge. You got to be able to field bunts. Uh, yes. Third base is tough. And the bare hand slow roller. The bare hand slow roller, and yeah. Also, if you're on the third base dugout, you are the first one back in the dugout. And you get to congratulate him. <laughs> so for Pete, I know he would like the third base. <laughs> so I played third base uh, and catcher in high school. So you just wanted the shortest walk back to the dugout. Huh? That's why I didn't play that much. That's why in my draft I got to pick all the things up the middle because I never got to do those. Oh, I thought I honestly thought third base would go early. I thought third I love third base. I thought third base would go so much earlier. It's such an the reaction, the plays that you have to make, like we talked about Clemente and Ichiro and Vlad, like you know, some of the plays that like Manny Machado or Josh Donaldson have made over the years, like Donaldson, especially in Oakland, right? You got a hundred feet to the to foul to foul ground. Oh yeah. I mean it's yeah, incredible. Yeah. It's incredible. So I guess with the last pick, because it's the last one there, I'm gonna take left field. <laughs> You know what? I get a really good le- center fielder and a really good left fielder. I don't need a right fielder. Um, and the left fielders always have the power bats. Yeah, it's a big bat. So big bat in the lineup, but I'm going to go at left field. I love that draft. That was so much fun. It was like intense. Who's going to fall to me? <laughs> uh, well, listen, coach, this was really fun. Thank you for taking the time out of the day to do this. I know we got you just in in your, in your free period there, so – uh, we appreciate you giving up that time during the day. And uh, we expect to see you later in the season, either in the FCX or the States. Great, guys. Thanks for having me. I uh, really appreciate the opportunity. And thanks for all you do for uh, for high school sports. Thanks, Coach. Appreciate it. All right. Trumbull Coach Phil Paselli. Um, that was a great. Long, long line of just great tradition there. Um I love schools where there's only been like a handful of coaches in sports and Trumbull's really done a good job with that and football, basketball, baseball, like where you carry that legacy, where like you played for this coach and now you take over and now you're there a really long time and playing for Jerry McDougal, you know, that coaching tree branches out a long way in different sports yeah. and, and, and fills a part of that. Yeah. And they're just, I mean, they're just so successful in, in, in the spring. I mean, baseball's always, they're Trumbull, uh, they're Trumbull. Their softball program is so good. Yep. Like when we were there, we talked about it with coach. I was joking about getting hit with a ball, but you have a top 10 team playing uh, right at the same time as another top 10 team. Like yep. not a lot of schools that can claim that. Uh, no, and, and in, they in do it season and in and season out. Their girls and boys basketball programs are always strong. Yeah. Their football program strong. Their boys and girls soccer programs are always strong. Like that's why I moved to Trumbull. Because of all, <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's been like that for a while. You know, Mike King is the AD there now, but there were ADs there before him. And it's just it's a great sports town that supports these teams through and through. And kids that really take a lot of pride in putting on that that black and gold and. And yeah. playing we for just, the hometown. We team. just got to fix the scoreboard issue. That was I did not like. That was very annoying during the Amity game. I'm like Staples. I'm like I'm counting on my hand. I'm like how many runs did Amity score? I'm like I think they have seven. I look up at six after the inning. I'm like ah, I didn't have my book. So yeah, that's right. Game changer does help. You can go take sneak a peek. But yeah, you, you like that scoreboard to be updated yeah. as, as the inning's going on, yeah. and not just like surprise you at the end. Like oh, they got five. Oh great. Yeah. <laughs> Takes away from it. Takes away from it. But Phil's a great guy. Trumbull's a great baseball program. Um, and he's our first FCI coach this year, too. A, a little surprising we haven't gotten to an FCI guy this year. But Well, we've uh, had a lot of them on over the years. Over so. the years, yes, we have. Uh, we don't want to double dip, you know. This no, year. we don't want to do that. And then the draft was really fun today, too. That was, was fun. I like that. Because it, it was limited, right? It was like, limited. It, not as wide open as the other ones we've been doing where there could have been a million answers. There was literally only nine answers, so. 
uh, it worked out well. You got shortstop and center field. Uh, I, I wanted one of those, but I, I couldn't take. I had. I couldn't skip the pitcher there. Yeah, no. And, and I mean, we all knew catcher was going first. It's the best position in all of sports, uh, other than maybe quarterback, because quarterback's really cool. Not quarterback. I mean, uh, catcher's better. Ah, uh, I don't know. <laughs> As someone who who you know was never tall enough to do anything kind of outside of catcher on the baseball field. <laughs> I, and I always say, look, the, the quarterback obviously does a ton in football, but I always say the center is like one of the biggest positions. I mean, oh yeah, touching the ball every game, you got to start every play. But yeah, I tried to. I said I this on you. the. I said this on the football po- podcast. We need teams to start, you know, putting pancakes up on max preps, yeah. like, or we need to create a stat to highlight the offensive lineman in football because, and I would love that for catchers too. Like, yeah, the defensive work. Yeah. Block, let's get, let's balls, get, guys yeah, let's get yeah. like zero pass balls this year. Well, that would be subject anyway, but um, you know, give me like a, a lot, cool a stat. Of, yeah. That requires a lot of stat keeping, but I, I in principle agree with you because sometimes we look at, especially when we're doing all state teams and stuff like that, we look at offensive numbers Yeah, and the defensive stuff, you've either seen them or you have to talk to coaches about them. Yeah. And at that position, I always feel like the defense is so important that sometimes you have to factor that in. Yep. Even if a kid's hitting 600 and this kid's only hitting 380, but he's a, an incredible defensive catcher and no one wants to run on him and nothing gets by him. Yeah. And you got to factor it in. So he made a plug for his guy to be all state. I've seen Scott Kell. I think he's a really good catcher. He's good. And he's the good. Is, there's a lot of good catchers in the state. Like that's, these, And these, that's awesome. Some of the best players are starting to flock to that. Um, because it's yeah. a way it's it's a way to make a team as you move forward, right? Like yep. these kids are gonna obviously be on their high school team no matter what position they play, but yep. catching is such a valuable position when you as you move on, and yep. you're seeing better and better athletes take on that position now, and bigger athletes. You know, back when oh. I played, which wasn't that you know, I'm not trying to age myself here, but like if you were tall, you did not catch rarely. Yeah, but now you have like Roman DiGiacomo last year for Ward, who's like six three. Yeah, look at the you MLB. Know? Like Adley Rushman is like huge. Like those yeah. guys are big football player type kids. Yeah, yeah. And the kid for West Hill last year was huge. Yeah, Connor. Um, Connor. Yeah, like huge kid. Uh, I think Connor Lane's pretty big kid too. Like, yeah. Um, and Kevin Moweski at, at Notre Dame is is big. I mean, he's six two, six three. He's bigger yeah. than much bigger Winkle. than I am. Winkle was like six. Winkle was big. Yeah, like. These big backstops don't come in like a goalie in hockey, where it's like no. goalies in hockey are surprisingly big too. Like you think those are going to be like little guys? They're not little guys at all. They're huge. They're gigantic, and they move <laughs> the way they move is just like it makes my body hurt. <laughs> all right, this was a lot of fun. This episode, uh, we'll be back next week with a new guest. For Pete, I'm Scott. We'll see you next time on High and Tight. Love you all. <laughs>